No, isn't that awesome? Doesn't that bless you to be a part of what's going on there? Man, what a what a um, what an unbelievable opportunity for us as a, a small church in the middle of nowhere. But God knows right where we're at. Amen. And y'all are some of the largest supporters to that that whole uh, project going on down there. They're at full. We've never been at this capacity right now. There we're hundred. I think one hundred ninety one. 190 or 191 children there. And you can see from the video, these aren't kids that just, we just bring them in and, and just keep them fed and a roof over them and then just launch them out of me. Helicopter ride. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, whoa, man. I mean, our kids get the best treatment that they possibly could be, right? And so anyway, they're being blessed. The other thing I want to tell you is that all those solar panels that were put up, uh, that was something that we did for them. And, uh, What's really crazy about it is I really wrestled with this one because I, I just, you know, we've always built buildings, the, the creative house that's built for the girls. We did that. And I've always built buildings and it just kind of, I don't know, solar panels just seem kind of like, yeah, I don't know if I, but anyway, the cool thing is, is we're saving them $3,600 a month. So every month, it's just like you gave them another offering of 3600 bucks. It just keeps going in there and keeps going in there and, and, and saving them so then they can take that money and use that money elsewhere. So praise God, you know. And the church building, you know, when we, when we built the church, we weren't thinking anything about putting solar panels on the roof. But the way we constructed it, it happened to be the perfect place for all the panels to go on. It could handle the weight and all that kind of stuff. And so they just had to go up there and screw them on. And so, I mean, cool, man. God, God knew what he was doing. Amen. So anyway, so that's all going on. Praise God. Man, just turn to the person beside you and say, way to go. You did great. So, you know, we're, we're ending this year. Uh, like Tracy told you, uh, we won't be having uh, services on uh, Christmas Day. Uh, we will be starting back January 1st, which will be, you know, New Year's Day will be a, Chris, will, will be a Sunday. So we will be back then, blowing and going. We're going to do this coming Wednesday night. We're going to kind of have just a special time of worship and all. I encourage if you want to come back and do a little more Christmas, well, then we're going to be doing that Wednesday night service. Uh, we'll be kind of just still focused on Christmas and all that. And so anyway, you can come and be a part of that. So praise God. Get your Bibles out. I want to share with you something. I actually I'm actually tagging off of my message that I preached already for two weeks when Christians go feral. And uh, and so this is you say, how can you work a Christmas message out of that? You watch. You just watch. <laughs> but uh, this is the third part of when Christians go feral and it's the Christmas message for this morning. And so, you know, I preached on that message. I can't go back and review. I can't go in, into all that. You all just have to go back and watch it because I'll never get through today. But, uh, you know, we have to live our lives by prophetic revelation. And when I say that, that sounds all real spiritual and all, but really it's a, it's a, what a prophetic revelation is, is something that's real to you. It's real to you no matter what. Nobody's going to talk you out of it. Nobody's going to talk me out of Jesus is real. All right. When we're sitting here singing, my, my favorite Christmas song is Oh Holy Night. And I can remember as a child being in, a, in uh, the Methodist church as a young child sitting on a, on a Christmas Eve service and they were singing Oh Holy Night. And it was the first time that I can say I didn't know what it was then, but I can say I felt the presence of God. I didn't know that was God. I just thought this is cool. I was awed and enamored and and touched in my heart. But I and I didn't know it was God. OK, but. 
Now looking back, I can say, man, that was the first time I was being I was being influenced. I felt the presence of God like we feel here this morning, like we feel every Sunday morning, every Wednesday, every time we're together in worship, we feel the presence of God. He's here. But it was something special that touched me. And that that made me come to the place in my life where I, I, I knew there was a God. Right. Okay, that's a prophetic revelation. In other words, nobody taught me that they didn't come down and, and say these are the one, two, threes. And I taught it. I knew it done inside of me. Y'all with me? That's what a prophetic revelation is. You got to live by something that you know down on the inside of you is true and real and nothing's going to talk you out of it. No craziness going on in the world. I mean, you, you know, you, you, you got your, your, your foundation on the inside of you and you know it and you're not going to be moved, right? The crazy things going on in the world right now, the things that want to distract us, the things that we sit back and say, what? It doesn't change us. It's just like, that's crazy. Hello? Okay. I could get off really on that, but I don't want to go there this morning. I want to stay Christmassy. But anyway, here we go. So you've got to live by prophetic revelation. That's what this whole thing is. When you quit living by prophetic revelation, you go feral. If you don't know what feral means, feral means is you weren't supposed to domesticate it, and then you went wild. Okay. And so you just begin to do what you want to do. You begin to, to, to live life by what you think is right, not by what the word of God says is right. You don't have a standard anymore in your life. You, 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 you're just doing whatever feels right to you or whatever your emotions dictate. Hello? That's going feral. And so, um, you know, how does this happen? Well, we get away from the word of God. We get away from what everything that Jesus has done for us. Now, how many of y'all remember the two chapters I told you you had to remember? Come on, what is it? 5361, 5361, 5361. Everybody say 5361. Isaiah 53 tells you what Jesus did for you. Isaiah 61 tells you what blessings are there for you as a child of God. Amen? So don't forget 5361. So there was a recent survey done I read the other day. That said, and, and I thought this was kind of funny. It said most people that they interviewed said that they believed that people were getting away from the true meaning of Christmas. So that made me stop and think, well, if most people are getting away, if you surveyed all these people and they said, yeah, most people are getting away from the true meaning of Christmas. Well, then how did you know they were getting away from the true meaning of Christians if you didn't even know what the true meaning of Christmas was? Hello? That was my thought when I said, I don't know how you got that survey, but we've seen this for years, right? And, and for years we've talked about, you know, commercialism of this, but now we're way out there, man. We are, we were in la la land in some places, right? But what I want to share with you today is, is, is something that's very dear to my heart that, that I want to, I, I just kind of got to preach it. So y'all just got to kind of be with me. You're going to have to catch it this morning by the spirit. Okay. Because I can't really explain it. But you have to look at something. We've gone through Christmas after Christmas after Christmas and celebrating Jesus' birth and coming into the world. And we sing songs about it. And we sing all this. But you've got to come to an understanding. and You've got to realize what was going on. From the day of man's fall in the garden, Christmas is already being prepared. In other words, Jesus coming to the world. I'm using that word Christmas. Don't get all religious on me. I'm just going to use it because I want that word to get across to people. Okay. And so 
From the fall, there was already a plan of redemption of mankind. And that had to come to pass. But the way it had to come to pass, God already had a plan for to bring in Jesus into this world. Hello? Y'all with me? And so, so what I'm saying is from the fall of man's sin in the garden, Christmas is already planned. And so just imagine this, church, that everybody's living their life and everybody's just going about their, their, their daily life. And then all of a sudden there's a problem because everybody has to go be registered and the government's causing problems. Right? And everybody's complaining about it. Everybody has to go back to their town to go be registered and go through all this kind of stuff. And no, I'm not saying no one because there, there was someone, but, but there, there, people weren't thinking about maybe Christmas is coming. And see, this is what I want to get to you today. We got a lot of things going on. We got a lot of not so stuff happening. And, and, and we get all caught up with that. We're just like they were then complaining about what's going on while, while God is sitting on the on the edge of heaven, so excited to, he's going to call the, the, you know, say, now's the time. Boom. Christmas is coming. Jesus is coming, right? And he's set up there poised to it to see this greatest thing happen in the world, a savior coming into the world. But all the people are, I'm going to go out there and go get one. Ain't got no rooms over here. And what are they charging? You know how much they're charging for donkey feet over there? I can't believe it. The prices are up and everything. Just everybody is grappling about everything. It's so easy now to get caught up in everything going on in the world and the price of this and the price of that. And it is ridiculous and it doesn't need to be, but it is. But we don't want to miss Christmas. We don't want to get so caught up in all of that that we miss Christmas. Okay, and so literally and I'll read it in just a minute, but literally heaven was so excited about Jesus coming to earth that angels burst forth. Think of this. They. Angels are in another dimension than we are. They're in the world realm of the spirit. But they were so excited. Give me this one, okay? Just give me this one, okay? We get to heaven. If I'm wrong, y'all can tell Jesus about it. But they were so excited for what was going on that they literally burst forth from the realm of the unseen of the spirit into the realm of the naturals. And shepherds are going, oh, wow, what is that? And there may have been a shepherd. May have been. This is thus saith Robert. May have been. Ran off saying there was UFOs. Started a whole, a whole realm of UFO sightseers over there and missed Christmas. All of heaven was so excited. Now let me tell you something. Just like that, just like that, I believe, I believe that God is again sitting on the edge. Oh, the edge because there's another event coming. Is Jesus coming back? And he said, well, I don't know. It doesn't seem. Would you have thought Jesus was coming into the world on Christmas? You follow what I'm saying? It'd be very easy to have missed everything. Can you imagine somebody looks out the window of the inn that, that, that Mary and Joseph didn't get into, looks out there at the, 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 the manger, the shed, the, the, the barn, and looks out at the barn and says, what in the world's going on over there? Will those people be quiet over there? My gosh, we're trying to sleep over here. Missed it? 
You see, you got to understand when God does something, he doesn't always do it in a great big nuclear explosion. You know why? Because he's looking for people who have a heart for him. He's looking for people that are seeking him, that are hungry and go through no matter what to find him. So, I mean, it wasn't that the world, the earth shook. When Jesus came in and everybody said, what is that? You know, that was a major Richter scale, right? The innkeeper, I've always thought of all the Christmas story, the innkeeper gets the bad rap. And I don't know that the innkeeper was a bad guy, but if you ever see anything, they always have the innkeeper as being the bad guy. You know, he's like old gruff and everything. We're going to room in here. Get the room in here. We don't know. He just was full up. But he may have been stressing. Just think about this. The innkeeper may have been stressing out. He's full up. Now it's full up. Everybody's making a demand on him. Everybody's calling for room service. His wife's overworked. She's mad. I don't know. I'm just painting a big picture here, okay? But the point is, you can miss what the spirit of Christmas is all about because you get so wrapped up in what's going on around you. And what was going on was a savior a savior was being born. Now, a savior is one that has the power to do something when you cry out to him. He wouldn't be a savior. If you, if you called out, if you were drowning in the water and you called out to the person on the bank and said, help rescue me, and the person says, I don't know how to swim. That's not your savior. Hello? A savior is one that can deliver you, can set you free, can, can, can remove the burdens, can remove the, the pain, can remove the whatever in your life. A savior is one you turn to and he has an answer. And that's what was coming into the world. But man, we're looking everywhere else than the savior. We're looking over here for this and looking over there for that to, to, to rescue us and looking for this and looking for that. But there's only one savior and his name is Jesus. And he came into the world and Psalm 61, 2 says, from the end of the earth, I will cry to you. And when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher. Now that rock coming into our life, that savior coming into our life. That's what we're celebrating. That there's a savior. Whoo, man. Some of us Christians have been Christians for so long, we forgot about the savior. We've just been going through the motions. We've been, we get accustomed to it. I've noticed that. You know, I've noticed that with all of us, me included. You start taking things for granted. I remember the first time that, that Pastor Wynn and Gwen came here to Utopia from Wales. Wales, way across the pond, right? And all they wanted to do was sit in the sunshine. And the first time they came, it was summer. It's 100 degrees outside. I'm wanting to get in the shade and they're wanting to get in the sun. And finally I said, what's wrong with y'all? And they said, well, we never see the sun. I said, what do you mean you don't see the sun? I said, no, it's always cloudy, overcast. We don't get to see the sun. I said, well, I had to explain why you're white as a sheet then. <laughs> and so the next thing I'm thinking is, man, y'all better get some sunscreen on. Oh, and they do. They just burn. They just, they just. They just go, if he's watching, you know what I'm talking about. It just goes red as a, as a tomato. And they don't care. 
because they don't get to see the sun. Now, see, I, I don't appreciate the sun like that. I do when we get some overcast days, I want to see it, but I don't, I don't have it like they are just wanting to just like a lizard, you know? I'm trying to find shade. I'm trying to find air conditioning. And they're wanting heat and they're wanting the sun. We, do, we get to where we don't appreciate it. People come all the time to our area. They come in here and they're just like, oh my gosh, this is the most beautiful place in the world. We had a guy out at the house here that they having to put a, 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 an appliance in the house and, and they, were, they wasn't from here. And he's like, oh, y'all have such a beautiful place. And I'm thinking, this baby needs to be cleaned up. You know what I mean? Look at all what I need to be doing. I, I'm looking at it as... Man, I need to trim limbs and, oh, that's a rotten board on the porch and I need to do this and I need to fix that. That's what I'm looking at. You see, because that's what happens to us. In this world, we get into this world, we get so bogged down and we get all so caught up with the things and the hoopla and the, 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 you know, the crazy going on. But yet the stuff in our own life that we stop and forget that a savior was born, that you have a savior One that you can cry out to that can be your rock. Hey, I like this one. Psalm 61, 3 and 4 says, For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. A shelter, a rock of refuge, a stable point, and a shelter to keep us from the the, the winds and the, the cold or the heat or the whatever. Amen? And then here we go. Go to Isaiah 9, 6. Isaiah 9, 6. A Savior coming into the world. It says, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a Savior is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name should be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now think of this craziness. God who is God, who creates worlds. God was making a plan to rescue you. And he said, I'll do it with a baby. What? A baby? The the, the most tenderest, vulnerable thing? You're going to have a baby? I mean, wouldn't you? Come on, folks. Wouldn't all of y'all think? Like if you were making a plan, you would have like legions of angels coming down on flaming chariots with giant swords and coming down and whoosh, heads rolling. Right? Not a baby, a little baby, a little vulnerable baby, not even born in a king's palace, but in a manger, a feed trough. That's what it is. I, I mean, they call it a manger. And I, I think it's just because. I don't know if that's, I guess that's the proper word, but as country people, we don't go out there and say, hey, y'all go out and put some feed in the manger over there and fill it up, right? We say, put it in the feed trough, right? He's born in a feed trough where animals are slobbered all over it. And that's the redemption for mankind. Can you see why, other than the shepherds and Mary and Joseph seeing what had taken place, that anybody else looking into it would, would dismiss it. Folks, listen to me. People are dismissing Jesus. People are dismissing the Savior. They say, oh, why go to church? Church attendance has fallen off. I'm not talking about, you know, just here. I'm talking about church attendance across the world has fallen off. We're growing, 
But other places are falling off. They're going down to nothing. And people don't want to go to church anymore. And people don't see any reason to go to church. They don't see any relevance in going to church. They don't want to go to church. Church has gotten to be stagnant and dead and no power and no victory and no nothing. And so people don't want to go to church. So then what does the crazy people in church do? Well, then they try to change the church to appease the people. Rather than preaching the gospel and getting the power of God and the Savior in the middle of it so people can find peace, joy, and hope. A child is born unto us. For unto us a child is born. This child came into the world. Now I want to read the Christmas story to you out of Luke chapter 2. So I'm in Luke 2.1. And I want to read this. For it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up to Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth and the Judea, and to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house in the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there in the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them at the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. I bet. I was just hunting in West Texas the last couple of weeks, and, and, you know, it's dark out there. We did have a full moon, which messed up my deer hunt. But anyway, it's dark out there. And if I was standing there in the dark and all of a sudden, and there was an angel standing before me, man, I'd be grabbing a gun. It would startle me, right? Now, you can imagine these shepherds. They're just out there. I don't know what they're doing. They're sitting around the campfire cooking beans. I don't know, making a pot of coffee. And then all of a sudden the angels come and this angel stands before them. And this look what he said. Do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born unto you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. Now, how many is a multitude? I just say it's so many you can't count them. Right? And and if we were going to change that and put it in our vernacular, we would say there's a bunch. Right? How many angels were? I don't know. It was a bunch. Meaning more than you could count. Saying glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. So just think of this account. Think of what's going on. Look at this church. God is standing right in heaven and he, he's going to bring about a savior. And whoosh, he loses an angel. Wah! They're out there where we're screaming, man, yay, a savior is coming to the world. And it's a little baby lying in a feed trough. To us, great Wisdom, scholarly humans would have said, what? You've got to be kidding me. That's my savior? We're having to feed him. He can't do anything. And you know what babies do? They do two things. Need I say more? 
So the shepherds said, let us go to Bethlehem, seeing this thing that has come to pass. And the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and a babe lying in a manger. Now, listen, folks, I want to tell you something. Now, here we go. Here's, here's, a, here's a pat on the back for y'all. Who did the angels come to? Country folk. Came out there to country folk. And go to the city dwellers. <laughs> Didn't go down to Wall Street to the suit and ties. God bless you if you love Jesus and wear a suit and tie, but hello, they went to the country folk. Why? And I want to tell you why I believe. I believe because they would listen. It's just that simple. They'd listen and they would seek. They would listen and they would seek. Says so said, so then they went, they found the babe lying in a manger. And now when they had seen him, they made uh, and, and they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told by them of the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Now, what do you think happened to the shepherds? I mean, have you ever thought about that? I mean, were they like, like it's things like this that I really want to know, because let's say there was a young shepherd boy. Let's say he was 17. And then by the time Jesus is preaching. and He's 33. Then this young shepherd boy could have been an older man. And was he there? Did one of the shepherds see the resurrection? I don't know. But I'm saying, I'm curious. I want to get to heaven. I want to go back through the records and I want to see the DVDs and I want to see how it all worked out. Don't you? I want to know, did he see, did that, did that shepherd, did it affect them so much in life that they continued to be seekers of God? So many people today have an experience with God and they know God's real and then they give up so easily and quit. And I'm always amazed at that to just say, wow. How easily you went back. You remember in the book of Galatians where Paul goes to the church at Galatians and says, why, why, how have you gotten so deceived so quickly? And I'm shocked at that. So now I want you to go to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. I want you to see the plan here of what God was doing. Start in verse 17, 117. <coughs> That God, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ. And this is what he's talking about. The Savior that came to the world. The mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that was named. Not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. 
And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. See, this was the plan. The baby came in the world, the savior that was going to be your rock and your shelter. But it, Isaiah prophesied unto us, a child is born and unto us, a savior is given. And the government's going to be upon his shoulders. So this little baby lying in the manger, sitting there looking so innocent, God sitting there saying, oh, I got him. We're going to protect him. We're going to take care of him. We're going to get into that place. And that baby is going to have all authority in this age and in even anything to come over every principality and every power. That's why he's the savior, because Jesus residing in Jesus is all the power over every principality, over every power. He's over. Listen to me. He's over our government. You say, well, then why is everything so crazy? Because man has a free will. But let me tell you something. God is in control. God is in control. And that baby lying in a manger was the one who all the government was going to rest upon his shoulder in this age and in the age to come. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. When you're celebrating Christmas, you got to understand something. It's not celebrating just the, you know, the, a baby. It's celebrating who the baby is. He is your savior, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And once you have him in your life, there is nothing that can be more powerful. Listen to me. You can't tell me that you can't, that the power can't be broken in your life. You can't tell me that. I'd have to tell you, well, I'm sorry, you're wrong. Let's get real for a minute. You know how many, you know, like right now, nobody's thinking about going on a diet. If you are, I'm telling you, you're you're just beating against the wind. Nobody's thinking about going on a diet. Nobody's thinking about, you know, proper health choices. It's Christmas, right? We'll wait till New Year's. And that's why we have a New Year's resolution, right? Because then you're going to say, okay, I'm going to change. I'm going to do right now. But how many of y'all know, I don't know how you are, but, you know, my wife, she's a good wife. And if there's leftovers, they go in the freezer. And then you know how you're having that freak out? And then what's in the freezer? <laughs> All there is is a bag of fudge I put back. <gasps> ah. And you know how that voice and that thing whispers and talks to you and tells you that that package is in there? You have a savior that can break it over anything, over anything, because all power and all authority has been given to him. Okay. now look at Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter two says, verse 11 Ephesians 2.11. Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcised by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Just stop right there for just a second. That's why I'm telling you, church, you're not going to hear anything come out of my mouth that would be anti-Semitic. I, I, 
you got to be a fool to come against Israel. You got to be a fool to come against anything uh, 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 that's Jewish, because if there was not the root, you wouldn't have been grafted in because we're Gentiles. And you may have done Ancestry.com and you may say, oh, I got a little bit of Jewish in me, but both that ain't enough. You were without hope and no promise. If there was anybody ever left out in the dark, it's us. Whew, I'm glad I got a savior. I'm glad the blood of Jesus covers. I'm glad the blood of Jesus comes over our life. I, I am so glad that the blood of Jesus speaks over my life and covers over my life. And I get grafted in to the to the to the root and I get grafted in. And I can stand there with everybody else and say, I got the blood. The blood's over me. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I got the blood over me. The blood of Jesus is over my life. I can stand toe to toe with anybody because not because of me. Not because of me, not because I'm a preacher, not because of this. I can stand right here because of the blood of Jesus that speaks over my life. The Savior came into the world and his blood has come upon my life and it covers my life because I brought him and asked him to come into my life, asking to forgive me. And I came in and I can stand toe to toe with Isaiah. You say, boy, don't you think you're something? Man, the blood speaks. I'm blood covered. I'm not saying I'm smarter than Isaiah or I can prophesy like Isaiah. I have the same giftings Isaiah had, but I'm saying in acceptance, I can stand toe to toe with Isaiah, with Jeremiah, with Daniel. Because of the blood. Because of that baby. Because of Christmas. Because of the Savior. He says, but now in Christ, in Christ Jesus. See, in Christ. In Christ. Not not on your own. Not on your, your, your family reputation. Not on your, your heritage. No, no, no. In Christ, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You once were far off. You once didn't have any rights. This morning I was praying and I, it, sometimes it used to make me feel kind of weird. Now it doesn't anymore because I'm just so used to it. But I was praying this morning. Yeah, out there is 34, me and the dog outside. I was all wrapped up outside praying. And I started praying and I come to the, you know, and you said, Lord, I can have boldness to enter the throne of God. So I'm coming in boldly, Lord. Why? Because it's me? Because I'm so smart? Because I'm so good? Absolutely not. But because of the blood that's over my life, because of what Jesus did, because of the Savior that was born, because of Christmas, I can come boldly into the throne room of God and say, Father, here's the needs this morning. I pray people are coming from the north, the south, the east, and the west. They're going to hear the word of God that this message is going to go out and people are going to know there's a Savior being born. I was far off. Now I've been brought close. So here we go. I'm preaching to the end now. How are we going to, the greatest gift, like, like I was joking with my wife the other day, and I said, man, I want to take you somewhere. I'm going to buy you a big, giant diamond necklace. I want to buy jewels hang all over it. <coughs> I mean, rubies and whatever. That's what I want to get you for Christmas. She just looks at me like, don't want a big necklace. But you know what the greatest gift you can give anybody? Jesus. There is no greater gift than you can give anybody than Jesus. There is nothing greater. Eternal life? Heaven? Middle wall of separation torn down between you and God? The ability to come right into the throne of God, the ability to have a savior, the ability to have a rock that you can cry out to. 
a rock that you can stand on. It won't shake and won't crack and won't sink and won't do all those kind of things. That kind of a rock. There is no greater gift than Jesus. There's one thing that brings us there. Here, I want you to go. Second Corinthians chapter seven, verse 10. Second Corinthians chapter seven, verse 10. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation. Godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation. The world right now, the reason why we're moving away from Christmas, the reason why they do a survey and they say, well, people say we're moving away from the true meaning of Christmas is because people do not want to repent. People want justification for what they're doing, acceptance for what they're doing. And if you don't, then you're the bad guy. Right? Because people do not want to repent. Repentance is the greatest thing in the world. Repentance is not a bad word. Repentance is not something that you're punished by. Repentance is the greatest thing on the face of the earth. The ability to go before your Savior and say, I'm sorry, I blew it. I'm sorry, God, I, I blew it. But there's a different kinds of repentance. Look here, he says, it's the godly sorrow that brings repentance. It's not just, I'm sorry I got caught. Now, you know, I know most of y'all, y'all are such awesome, amazing people. You've never done anything wrong. And as young people, you didn't do anything wrong. I'm sure you never snuck out of the house. You didn't go to the dance when you weren't supposed to. You didn't speed. You didn't ride around with the person you weren't supposed to be with, you know. You didn't drink. <gasps> You didn't do those things, but there's people that do. So we'll use them as an example today. And most of the time, those people are not sorry that they did it. They're sorry that they got caught because had mama or daddy not found out, you'd have been happy. Or they would have been happy. Not you, because you didn't do that kind of stuff. So I know y'all have to kind of project into this example I'm using because you haven't ever done that. But just, you know. So repentance that is a godly sorrow on the inside of you that you say, God, I'm man, I blew it. I am so sorry. That repentance, it says. Is what takes you into salvation. Now, what's salvation? Salvation is results of what a savior gave you. Think about that. The Savior can give salvation. If you're not a Savior, you can't give salvation. Salvation is a result you got from the Savior. You following me? Godly sorrow inside of you that produces repentance. And you say, I'm sorry. And you repent. You turn from those ways. Instantly, when that repentance is done to the Savior... Salvation is issued. Deliverance. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16. It says, least there was any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterwards when he wanted to inherit the blessings, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, 
though he sought it diligently with tears. So he's sorry that he did it, but there was a problem because Esau's brother, Jacob, he was a conniver. He became the father, one of the fathers of Israel, but he was a conniver. He cheated his brother out of his birthright. So the brother couldn't find a place. Esau couldn't find a place of repentance because he kept saying, but Jacob is wrong. What he did to me is wrong. And he couldn't he couldn't overcome that to find a place to say, God, I'm sorry. What was I doing? What was I thinking to even sell my birthright? He couldn't do it. He couldn't come to that place to find the true place of repentance that would lead him to salvation that the Savior would give him because he was always pointing the finger at Jacob saying, you're the one that's wrong. He's wrong. What he did to me was wrong. I was the firstborn. It should be mine. It's the reasoning. Okay, so here, let me go back. I wrote this down. The number one thing that keeps people from repentance is pride. It's the reasoning of the mind and the emotions that override the truths of God. That's what happens. People right now today, listen to me. Why is the world, why is the United States in the mess that we're in? We're in it because people don't want to repent because they don't want to adhere to the word of God. So churches are trying to change the word of God. And people are saying that that's, you know, not right. You can't say that. And it's because people are, are wanting because of their emotions and their, uh, the, you know, and what their reasoning is in their minds to override the truth of God's word. So there's no place for repentance. And if there's no place for repentance, then salvation can't come. You want salvation in your life? You want deliverance in your life? Learn how to repent. An old preacher, come in here to get a... Christmas message, he's in here preaching, hail, fire, and damnation. Tell him you got to repent. Well, let's go to James 4.10. Let me finish up here with a few, few high points. James 4.10 simply says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he'll lift you up. Humility, being humble. Do you know what the word humble means? I mean, I find myself all the time thinking I know what a, the meaning of a word is. And then when I go look it up, it, it doesn't really mean that, right? And I don't know how I come up with this. I don't know whether it was just like growing up and I just hear the word and I just, just you know, make my own definitions. I don't know how I do that. But anyway, if you don't, aren't really sure, you think you know what a word is, you need to go look it up, all right? And so the word humble, out of the Greek, means to assign a lower rank or place to it. That's what it means to humble yourself. To assign a lower rank. In other words, you say, huh, Jesus, you're Lord, not me. Humble doesn't mean, you know, that you just cower down and everybody beats you up and, and throws stuff at you and you're just, you know, this is, this is being humble. You just bow and let it happen and take it, become a doormat. That's not what humble means. Humble means is you assign yourself a lesser rank. So you say there's a Savior. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. 
all authority has been given to him in heaven and earth and in this, this place and what's coming. It's all in Jesus. And Lord, you are Lord. You're my master. I'm assigning me a lower rank. So whatever you say goes, therefore I repent. We've all done it. We've all in our prayer times gone to the Lord and given him some good, good suggestions of what he should do. All of us have. All of us have. We've gone to the Lord and said, now, if you can pull this off, if you can change this and that and the other and then bring this about, that'd be good. I'd appreciate it. Right? Look at the person beside you and say, I know he's talking about you now. But to humble yourself means that you've come to this understanding that Jesus, he is the Savior. He's come into this world. It's not just this little baby. It's not just the Christmas tree. It's not just the good food we're eating. It's not just all this stuff. It's, it's humbling yourself and saying, Lord, you are Lord. You came into this world. You were born in this world, and all authority has been given unto you. And I humble myself before you and say, Lord, you're in charge, not me. You're in charge, not me. I give myself a lower rank or a lower position to you. So let me finish with this. Yeah, let me finish with this. Luke 18, 10. Luke 18, 10. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Little story here, Jesus told. Luke 18, 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you. That I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as those tax collectors. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house, justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. What a great story. Here's this guy, this Pharisee, and he's saying, I'm doing everything right. Surely you're pleased with me. But wait a minute. Pride came in. He's basing his relationship with his Savior on his good works. So really what that means is a wealthy man could take all of his wealth and go out and give it away to the poor and go do all this kind of stuff, but really never repent because it's not good works. It's our heart. So I encourage you, listen to me, as you're having your holidays and you're, 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 you're with your family or friends or whatever you're doing, listen to me, do not forget that that baby in the manger was your, is your Savior. And do not forget that that baby in the manger, although he looks weak, though he looks vulnerable, though he looks like he doesn't have anything to offer, is your Savior. And you better humble yourself. Bow your knee before him and say, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. And I want to serve you. And folks, then you're going to find out what Christmas is all about. Because as you repent, it brings salvation. 
And as salvation comes in your life, you're going to see the greatest miracles, the greatest thing in life. Folks, listen to me. I believe, though the world's going spinning out of control and going crazy, I believe these are the greatest days of our life. I believe these are the days that 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 good men and women rise up and stand in the face of adversity and we see the miracles and the power of God flowing. I believe today is the day that it, we're not losing, we're winning. But if you focus on what's going on over here, you're going to miss what the Savior wants you to do. Amen. Folks, I have seen it in this church. I have seen it over the past 30 years of being here and pastoring this church. I have seen so many miracles, so many things done. You're looking at that video and those kids and what's been done there. Folks, when we started on that property, there was not anything there. Now, every red-roofed house you see up there has been built and it's full of children being rescued. That wasn't there. It didn't happen. Yeah, it's been a long haul. Yes, it's been years and years and 20 years or more of working and seeing the time, but look what God has done. And now these children are there and they're being rescued. Folks, listen to me. God wants to do the same miracle in your life. All you've got to do is get yourself in the right position, and that right position is on your knees to be humble. And to walk in repentance and see the salvation of the Lord. Amen. 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 So I want you to put your Bibles up right now. And let me just talk a little bit more to you. Matter of fact, stand up if you would. Can I have prayer team people come down? Yesterday when <clears throat> I was helping the guys get the coats packed up and I was looking at the coats that were going out to the kids. And I, I, I started in my heart praying and and then I was thinking about it last night and this morning I said Lord let that child let it let, let let the child receive that coat and let it be just not warming you know physically but let it be something so special let it be like like a new baby doll on Christmas or something you know that somebody gets this coat and puts it on and it becomes so special to them and they feel loved and when I said that this morning, then I changed my message I and mean, changed my prayer. And I said, I said, Lord, let this message today go to somebody and wrap them like a coat and let them feel loved. And I just want to say to everyone out there watching and everyone in here today, listen to me. God so loved you that he sent his only son for you. That's what Christmas is all about. A savior coming into the world. I want you to know that Jesus is there for you. You don't have to get caught up with all the, 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 the lights and the flash of what's going on. It's great. If you enjoy that, glory to God. But listen to me. The true meaning of Christmas is Jesus. And the true meaning is you to come and repent. Humble yourself before God and let salvation come into your life. You say, how can that be? It, it, it's, it's, it's not complicated. It's very simple. It's you making that step towards him. He's already made the step towards you. God has already sent his son into this world. Now it's up to you to accept him as your savior. So wherever you are, whatever's going on in your life, if you call out upon the name of Jesus, the Bible says you'll be saved. If you truly repent and call out and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your blood. I believe you're the son of God. Salvation comes to you and your eternal destiny is set for heaven. You say, how can this be? How can that happen? Listen to me. Quit trying to figure it out 
and just get your heart right and watch what God does. I don't know how it takes place. I can't explain it all to you. I just know that I stood in a barn one day about to blow my brains out because I was depressed and I had lost everything. And then all of a sudden when I cried out to Jesus and I said, Jesus, if you're really real, I want to know you. That was my salvation prayer. Jesus, if you're really real, I want to know you. And at that moment, at that second, the spirit of God touched my life. And I knew in a moment, it was as if, it was as if everything fell off of me. It was like Charlie Brown and Pigpen. Hello? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, Pigpen, you know, he's got the dust bowl going around him all the time. It was just like that when I said, I, Jesus, if you're really real, I want to know you. It was just like the dust fell away and I was standing before God. I can't explain it. I just know I know what the word says. I know what happened to me. And I know a savior is waiting for you. So call out upon Jesus from your heart and watch what he does for you. If you're in here today and you need prayer, listen to me, church. This is a season of miracles. And you need prayer for anything. I know we've got some people that are sick and I know we've got some things, uh, you know, other things going on. But listen to me. Come up here to the front and pray with these people and let God do a miracle for you. Cry out upon your rock, Jesus, and watch salvation come into your life. Now, I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to bless you. And I want to tell you something. As you go out to your families, don't let don't let don't 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 end up in a family argument. Come on, folks, you're bigger than that. Don't sit around the table arguing politics and this and that and the other. Love people. Man, if you, if you got to, give them that last chicken leg. That last piece of pecan pie you really wanted, but then old crazy uncle went over there and got it. Don't start a fight. Come on, be a people of love. Share Jesus. Be a blessing. Put a smile on your face. Pray on your Sunday morning that as you're with your family or your Christmas Eve or whenever that, that, that day is that you're with them, pray that the anointing of God would be so strong on your life that as you sit around family that they, you won't have to say anything. They get touched by the Spirit of God. Amen? You walk into a hostile environment and you bring peace. And I want to pray for you. Father, right now, I pray over every person in here. I pray, oh, heavenly Father, over all those that are watching and listening. And I ask you right now, Lord God, to do a special move of God this season. Lord, to touch these people's lives, to touch their hearts and allow us, as we've humbled ourselves before you, to touch other people's lives. Lord, I pray right now that every devil in hell, every lying spirit, everything that comes and causes confrontation and, and friction in families is just silenced. Lord God, it is silenced and it is cast out so that this year that we can see more salvation in families. We can see more of Jesus moving in lives than we've ever seen before. Lord, I pray and I believe you for miracles. I believe you for the anointing of God to be so heavy upon the people that as they go out, Lord God, or as other people come in, Lord, that they will be touching lives by simply the power and the anointing of God upon them. Lord, I pray and I thank you for sending us a Savior. Thank you for sending us Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into this world for us and being born as that baby, but being our Savior, our Deliverer. And so, Lord, we give you praise. Lord, we give you thanks. And we give you all the glory, Lord. 
In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church.